Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Dan Wood of Corellia Software, publishers of a web creation tool called Sandvox. We'll also hear from the iTunes guy himself, Kirk McElhern, and Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah! Dan Wood of Corellia Software, and he is not a new friend to the Tech Night Out Live. He's been on before talking originally about one of his original products, one that came out some years back, inspired by Apple when they had something called Sherlock 2 for searching. This is long before you have the current spotlight iteration of searching. And those days, Corellia and Dan Wood came out with a product called Watson. Elementary, my dear Watson. So you had an interesting history, which we'll discuss very briefly before we talk about your current product, Sandvox. So tell us, Dan Wood, about Watson. Okay, how are you doing? Watson was an application that I built uh, late 2001 to uh, complement Apple's Sherlock program because it was focused on search. And it really was, in a sense, it was the, the first time that anyone had seen the idea of, of an application, not just a website, that connected to the Internet and got interesting information for you. And if you think about it, that's kind of what we're so used to now. I mean, you run any app on your phone and you're checking the weather or you're chatting with your friends or you're looking up sports schedules or anything. This was back in the day, you know, t- or late, t- late 2001 when uh, no one had really done it before. Huge success, you know, really, really great entry for me to, you know, start out in the in the map software industry as, as my own new company. Apple liked it so much, they decided to sort of copy it. That was, that's another story into itself. But uh, in spite of things, it, it was just a, a really good experience overall, because it was just such a such a big hit. Then, uh, you know, after that sort of died down, we actually, I had sold it to, to Sun Microsystems and ran with that for a little while. But uh, Sun decided to go off and do other projects. So that's when I started Sandbox. All right. Now, this, in a sense, helps serve a number of needs, Sandvox, one of which relates to software that Apple created and then abandoned. That was, of course, iWeb. That's right. You know, I had the idea of making a website building application that made it as easy to build a website as it would be to, let's say, use a word processor, you know, or, or use one of Apple's uh, iPhoto, iTunes, those kinds of very simple, powerful and simple applications that Apple had. Unfortunately, Apple had the idea of uh, coming up with a website building application themselves uh, called iWeb, and it, it came out just be- just as we were going into beta. So, uh, you know, for a while, we had a competition with an 800-pound gorilla, <laughs> but, you know, we'd kind of been down that road before with Apple, so it wasn't anything new. That turned out very differently, though, because of uh, what happened with Apple. They, for one reason or another, decided to sort of uh, abandon iWeb, and that was, of course, a a big uh, disappointment for people who'd been using iWeb, but uh, for myself as a software developer, that was a great opportunity because that meant a lot of people who were, you know, who still needed to have a website and and a place to publish their website uh, looked around and found that Sandvox was... uh, was the alternative for iWeb, you know, from an independent software developer. Now, obviously, we can't always read the Apple tea leaves. (laughs) So we understand what happened to Watson, where you came out with a good idea and Apple kind of followed it. And they've done that with other software publishers. So it's not unusual. But in this particular case, Apple has a product and they set it aside 
Have you ever gotten any reason to think why they did it? You know, I can only hypothesize. I think that probably what happened was that they thought of iBooks author as being a way that people could create content. And instead of putting it for free up on the web, it would be putting content into their app store model, which generates a pretty hefty commission for them. So I think they probably took the creative force that that was uh, working on iWeb and moved them over into iBooks Author, which is a great application. It's just that what it's doing is producing you know, proprietary content, essentially. But iBooks Author, I presume, is mostly to create eBooks. Exactly. If someone has a website, which, you know, the whole model of a website is you're putting content out there essentially for free. I mean, there are a few there are a few paywalls and so on. But for the most part, an average Mac user with a club or a small business or a family blog or something like that, you know, that's not what they're interested. They're interested in creating a website that's out there on the Internet for people to view. I guess Apple decided that they really wanted to go more for the the model that would generate content for them. Again, that's just my idea. But that's just that's what it seems like is probably what happened. Okay, so you are among the millions of people, and there are millions of people, who made iWebsites. And now Apple says, goodbye. (laughs) We said goodbye to floppy drives. We're now saying goodbye to optical drives. But a while back, they said goodbye to iWeb. Put in maintenance mode. It's history. It's no longer supported online. So you fill the breach, amongst other purposes. So if I have an iWebsite... And maybe I already moved it to one of those hosts out there who carry all that content. And now I want to start doing work on it. So what do I do with Sandvox? Well, with Sandvox, we actually came out with a feature a few months ago. Uh, we call it an, an iWeb extractor. Uh, so think of it as extracting the juice out of, a, out of an orange or something. It will actually run through your iWeb site and sort of suck in all of the important information that it can find in your website, you know, essentially the text and the graphics, and turn that into a new Sandvox document so that you can, you know, it's a good starting point. It's certainly, it's not going to be an exact copy of your iWeb site because their data, the way that they store the data for their website is in a, in a proprietary format. Um, but Sandfox does a pretty good job of pulling in the photos and photo galleries and blog posts and so on and building up a new Sandvox document. And then from that point, you can make a few adjustments. You'll probably need to do some tweaks here and there, maybe come up with a new look for it, maybe add some new things that Sandvox provides that you couldn't do in iWeb, and then get your website published. Okay, so I take a typical iWebsite, and I have a blog. Okay, with some simple illustrations. Uh In general, and we can't apply a specific case because everybody's site is different. In general, what will I have to do once I extract the information to get up and running and ready to post? Well, probably the thing you'd want to do is just to look through the outline, the hierarchical outline of pages that that Sandbox has built out of your website and just making sure that the data are organized in the way you want. The whole model of hypertext and HTML pages is, you know, you have pages linking to other pages and other pages linking to other pages. And so it might be that the way that the extractor worked was it, it went down a particular path finding some links that doesn't quite fit the mental model of what you had in mind for your website. So maybe your website has a homepage, it has a blog, it has a photo gallery, it has another page that's about me, another page maybe directions to your store, let's say it's a small business. You might want to fiddle with the way that that's organized uh, within Sandbox. And you'll probably want to give it a new look. Uh, Certainly we can't copy the exact designs that uh, iWeb had that was providing for their users. So you'd want to use one of, uh, you know, Sandbox provides over 60 different designs. 
if you want something even beyond that, there's a number of third-party designs that you can choose from if you wanted to go out and find find one from another vendor. Bring bring that into your website. You know, that's it's also a great time to just sort of uh, rethink your website to see if there's some content you want to bring in. You know, we have a lot of integration with social media and YouTube and those kinds of things. So maybe you want to get your get your website a little modernized because you know. Honestly, if it's been if it's been sitting around in, in an iWeb site for a few years, it probably hasn't gotten very much attention lately. Well, this is a way to bring things up to standard and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, in fact, sure, go ahead. Oh, in fact, I was just going to say one of the things that if you use the new version, uh, we just released version two point eight today, uh, which has support for the new uh, the Apple's uh, Retina displays, which means that if you publish your website that you've created in Sandbox two point eight and you tell it to optimize for retina displays that means that if your visitor has you know the new ipad uh that the ipad third generation or the retina macbook pro or some of these other web uh even even windows machines now that have the high definition uh displays they come visit your website and your photos are going to look really really sharp and that's just something that most website builders uh i think wordpress is the only only other uh, site kind of building system i've seen that that sort of automatically uh, gives you the option to have those high-resolution retina images in there. We have a little bit more to talk about with Dan Wood. He's from Corellia Software. The product is called Sandvox 2, and version 2.8 just came out this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You know, the people we work with the most aren't always the people we see every day. Co-workers work on the go, different offices, clients are spread across the country, around the globe. You know, to work efficiently today, you need to have a stronger connection to your team to build trust and stay focused and brainstorm. And as you know, here on my radio shows, we've got people around the world that we deal with. Well, with GoToMeeting by Citrix, your entire team is just a click away. You can share the same screen and collaborate in real time. Tell me about it, even on your iPad. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST. GoToMeeting. Meeting is believing. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. 
Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Dan Wood of Corellia Software, publishers of Sandvox, new version 2.8. As he pointed out, if you were one of the people who created a site in Apple's iWeb, as opposed to another iWeb, which is one of the hosts that we deal with, one of the web hosts, a web host out of Canada, then, of course, a product like Sandvox is going to help you take it apart, put it together again, that kind of thing. Now, the other, of course, popular web creation tool is the one from that company that now wants you to rent software. <laughs> so I decide, well, for one app, it's, what, $20, $30 a month to get the whole thing. It's... $50 a month for regular people, $600 a year for the rest of your natural life. Now, if I have Dreamweaver, and I've got something in Dreamweaver, now, is it possible to bring that into Sandvox? Well, you'd use actually almost the same process you'd use with uh, extracting an iWebsite because it's going to, again, it's going to crawl through your site, find the links that it has to other pages, and in the meanwhile, it's going to suck out the content, the graphics, the images, of course, and the text and that kind of thing. Try to come up with a guess as to, as to how your data are structured and bring that into a new sandbox site. And then from there, you can publish it to your existing site file, wherever that is. Whoever's hosting your site, whether it's even your own server, you can publish it after you've done exactly. the tweaks necessary. Yeah. Right. Now, if I'm starting from scratch, and I don't know HTML from a hill of beans or, <laughs> or from converting my name into Klingon. And let me tell you, I can do that, by the way, now. There's a way to actually convert my name to Klingon, but we won't go into that. I don't know anything about doing a site. 
coming into Sandvox, how do I get started? The easiest way would be to, first of all, go to sandvox.com. I should probably spell it here, S-A-N-D-V-O-X.com. Download the trial version, you know, just uh, get it on your Mac, launch it, give it a try. Essentially, it, it'll come up initially with uh, essentially an empty homepage with, uh, you know, you fill in the title of your site and the uh, welcome message and that kind of thing. You know, just start typing as you might type in a word processor. Uh, drag in graphics you might have from your iPhoto library, something like that. Maybe you want to create a blog or a photo album, so we have some preset page types that uh, you can pretty quickly flesh out an actual working website within, you know, half an hour or something like that. It really comes down to that you need to have content to build a website. Um, with Sandvox, we're, we're making it so you don't have to think about terms like HTML and CSS and all that. Bring in your content. And then choose, yeah, if you have your own web host, as you mentioned, uh, we have we have a web host that we've partnered with that we've been recommending for quite a few years and have very happy to uh, keep recommending them. And uh, that just gets uploaded to the to the web host, however you want to do that, FTP, SFTP, any of those kinds of things. And uh, you're on the Internet. Just like that. Not so hard. I'm looking over some of the information on doing this. You also have designs like templates that one could use as a starting point, not just as a blog, but other types of styles. Right. Yeah, we come. With, it comes with about 60 different looks. Uh, some, some might call them themes. We've been calling them designs for a while. You know, it might range from something, you know, just a very simple white page to something a little bit more artistic with some interesting graphics in the background. Uh, there's just a lot of different looks. And as I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of third-party designers as well, and they've, they have uh, some beautiful designs as well. Um, so I think it's a, it, there's a nice opportunity to bring in, you know, start with the style you like. Maybe it comes with a Maybe it comes with a banner, but you can bring in your own banner image so that it has its own, uh, you know, it has a unique look. Everyone wants to have a unique-looking web- website. Now, is this more for personal websites? Can you do a small business website with this? Actually, I think probably most of our users are, are small business. Uh-huh. Uh, certainly, it could be it could be a personal blog. Uh, we've seen families and, and personal people just putting up their photos and so on. But, uh, yeah, it tends to be a lot of mom-and-pop shops small businesses. I think if it's a business that's big enough to have its own IT IT department, then yeah, they're probably not going to be using Sandbox because they're doing all, you know, they're pedal to the metal, you know, doing all the doing all the expensive and, uh, you know, HTML coding themselves. Most people are really more interested in working on their own life and on their own business than trying to deal with figuring out how to how to deal with HTML. And that's I, I think that's where Sandbox comes in really nicely. Don't want to get into the mess. Yeah. <laughs> This makes it a lot simpler. What about sharing with social networks? Well, there's actually a lot of integration. Uh, this new version 2.8 uh, brings in a lot of in, in a new integration now. So we're uh, we have options, opportunities to put content on your website to make it easy for people to share your content over Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and LinkedIn and and uh, Pinterest now. Uh, lots of other options so that if you wanted to put one of those little things in the sidebar that shows uh, which which of the visitors' friends are 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 online and interested in this website. Uh, Lots of different options with Facebook and Twitter to encourage people to interact with the website so it's not just going to a page, looking at it, going to another link or something, and then leaving. But you know, it, it's great if you can get people to, uh, to notice your page and uh, link to it on Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever social network they might use, then those people are going to see 
you know, you're going to see that mention, and then they're, they're going to head over to your website. So it's a great way to get people aware of it. We spend a lot of time and effort making sure that the websites that people build are easy to find, whether it be social networks or just with search engine. You know, we want to make sure that the websites that sandboxers build are easy to find by Google. So we have a lot of integration with Google in there so that uh, uh, your website is very likely to be found when someone searches for something that you have to offer. So even if you consider Google to be the enemy, we still need to have your site shown up in the search engines. Yeah, and, and it's Google or Bing or whoever, but uh, yeah, the, the, the search engines are a fact of life. And if you, if you want your, especially if you have a small business or you know, your, your livelihood depends on it, you want someone to be able to search for some terms that represent, you know, they've never heard of your business, but they're looking for a particular, you know, a baker in the city you live in or something like that. You want to make sure that, uh, that, that you're going to be showing up on those search engines. One way to do it, definitely. Interesting way to work within a lot of things or drag and drop, built-in support, all sorts of things to make your task of building a website not so daunting. Yeah, that's the, that's the whole idea. Tell our listeners where they can get a copy of so Sandvox. Yeah, so just go to sandvox.com, S-A-N-D-V-O-X, and download a free trial. You can also buy it over app, uh, Apple's Mac App Store, of course. But uh, uh, the nice thing about the, the free trial is that you can just give it a try, uh, build a small website, publish it. And if you like what you see, go ahead and purchase a license so you can start building bigger sites. Now, the price of the full license is how much? It is seventy nine ninety nine in U.S. dollars. And around the world in different different currencies, all that all depends on, on what Apple pegs it to, I guess. Well, that's up to Apple to figure out. It makes it a that's lot right. easier. You have to worry <laughs> about it. But you do have things like site licenses and stuff like that if people need multiple copies. That's right. Yeah, you can you can go to our, uh, you know, click the Buy Now button on our website and uh, or even from within the program, and it'll give you different options. So uh, we have a, a household license. So if you have a number of different people on different Macs that all want to build their own websites, that's one option. Side licenses, of course, for businesses with multiple computers and so on. That's how it works. Once again, the application is called Sandvox 2. Version 2.8 is out this week. And if you look up all the information they have on their site, They've won design awards. They've been through it all, and this is designed to make it easy and sensible and smart to build your own website, personal or business. Dan Wood, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You can save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. There's been a disaster, and most of you don't even realize the terrible danger we're in. Alex Jones has warned you for years to get a good food storage. We thought the danger was drought, or food delivered to our gas tanks, or our food sold to other countries, or food so expensive that only those on food stamps and welfare could afford it. But we have just experienced the most effective way to lose your freedom, liberty, and security without even a fight. Government regulation. After a 160-year tradition of self-reliance, the do-it-yourself and charitable Mormon food storage canneries in half the country are forced to shut down due to excessive government regulations. Grow your own food, more regulations. If you've ever been warned to get food while you can, this is it. Call 800-409-5633 or on the web efoodsdirect.com slash alex that's 800-409-5633 or on the web efoodsdirect.com slash alex the location denver convention center timeline june 27th through 29th 2013 the event the doomsday expo our world and nation are changing it's time for an educational experience that will enlighten you and the entire family at the doomsday expo june 27th 28th and 29th at the denver convention center check out the latest survival products learn valuable survival techniques meet other preppers and meet guest speakers including dr joel wallach scott hunt jay blevins and more boost your knowledge with seminars on natural disaster preparedness long-term prepping survival gardens self-defense off-grid living and financial planning ladies will get a valuable female perspective on family defense and preparedness there's even a casting call for nat geo's doomsday preppers and everyone will enjoy the first dry food cook-off tickets are just 14 dollars for all three days and a saturday evening concert mark your calendars for june 27th through 29th and get all the details at doomsdayexpo.com doomsdayexpo.com preparation starts here How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Kirk McElhern. He's the iTunes guy from Macworld Magazine and does all sorts of other good stuff. 
But right now we're going to talk about bleeding, but not bleeding edge, not bleeding like in the CSI TV show, but bleeding data. So you have an article over at Kirkville at McElhern.com called, I changed cell phone carrier and my iPhone is bleeding data. This is like a story for the National Enquirer, right? It was. A, I was thinking more of one of those um, movie titles, you know, from those sort of sensationalist movies in the 50s or something. It came um, from outer space. Space, yes. Earth versus the flying saucers. Earth versus my iPhone. Yeah. Well, as I say in the story, so regular listeners will know that I've moved from France to England. For the first few weeks, I was using SIM card from a company called GifGaf, which is a sort of low-priced pay-as-you-go SIM thing. And I wanted to switch Oh, to... I love that. low price pay pay-as-you-go SIM thing. Yeah, SIM They thing. can use that as their marketing logo or something. <laughs> it's actually run by O2, which is a big brand. It's their sort of sub-brand, because a lot of them over here are doing that. They're doing these pay-as-you-go things under different brands. So I wanted to switch to a permanent contract instead of having the thing where I always had to worry about you know, reloading it and all that. So I moved to EE, also known as Everything Everywhere, also known as a company that was created after Orange and T-Mobile in the UK merged. EE has really good coverage because they've got both the Orange and T-Mobile networks. So they probably have the best coverage in the UK. And prices were similar. All the cell plans here are pretty crappy and expensive, and they all have data limits, unlike what I had in France. So I took the basic um, 500 megabytes a month data package with unlimited calls and unlimited texts. Now, prior to making this change on GIFGAF, I had looked, I'd used about 120 megs in two weeks. So when I had reloaded my SIM card on April 15 to May 2nd when I made the change, it was a little more than two weeks. It was 120 megs. It's basically 50 megs a week. So I figured, ah, 500 is fine. And I put the new SIM card in. It was working fine. And then I went away for four days and so i wasn't on wi-fi at all for four days and when i came back home i noticed that i had used more than 250 megabytes of data now i kind of freaked because that's half of my monthly allotment in five days so i called the company they were very polite um, but they didn't have any answers and i said look i just switched sim cards i'm using exactly the same settings and apps and services i didn't change anything at all one of the things I thought was maybe it's their app, their MyEE app that you use to sort of track things and see your usage and all that. But it's just a web app, so it couldn't be doing that. Um, and this got me into this very long troubleshooting process, the kind of troubleshooting that you're familiar with and that we talk about every once in a while. All right. I'm just giving you a chance to say something there instead of me talking for 20 minutes. That's okay. I don't mind you talking for 20 minutes. But right now, okay, so we're trying to figure out what it is that you might have done, but was the mobile device off during this four-day period? No, it was on all the time. You don't turn your phone off ever, do you? Not really, no. But, no. you know, okay. usually, though, if I go away somewhere and I don't take something with me, I might turn it off. I might turn off my router, for example. There's no sense of paying course. for electricity. No. Of course. I do that, too, but I had my iPhone with me when I went away. Ah, I wasn't okay, there. okay. I didn't leave it at home. Um, one does not travel in a country one doesn't know without a telephone. So anyway, I spent a bunch of time and I downloaded some apps to try and figure out what was using all this data. And one app 
um, was supposed to be able to tell me, but then I noticed it wasn't. And it was showing apps using data, um, but it wasn't registering the data that, I, that was kept increasing, um, which made it obvious that it was a system service and not a particular app using the data. And then a friend of mine suggested I get an app called Act Monitor, which is a 99-cent app that shows a couple of basic things. It shows your battery level, which system processes are active, and it shows some network information, including a sort of real-time incremental data thing. So it shows, you know, at 0K, at 2K, at 6K, 10, whatever. So you'll see it as it goes up, but you don't see what's using the data. And when I looked at this app, I realized that there was about 2K per second going in and out. Now, 2K in, 2K out, that's 4K. Um, that's 240K a minute. That's a megabyte in four minutes. That's 15 megabytes an hour. Um, that's a lot of data. So I spent a lot of time switching off every single service I could, push and location services and, you know, all the other things that use data, um, even automatic email checking, everything. And I turned the phone off and started it up again, and there was no data going out. So then I turned everything back on, and everything was fine. Now, I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly what happened. My guess is... Somehow, when I put the new SIM card in, the phone was trying to register something with my carrier. And this registration wasn't working. And after turning everything off and turning back on, somehow it registered correctly. It's the only thing I can think of. Um, the, the moral of the story is twofold. One, you should really check your data usage every once in a while. Uh, if you're on a limited plan and all of a sudden you see that a lot of data is being used, you have a problem. And two, it's almost impossible to figure out what the cause is for something like this. Um, the, the kind of data that goes between the phone and the network, in other words, not through apps, is totally opaque. You have no idea what's causing it and why. Uh, the phone company wouldn't help. Um, there, was no, there are no apps that can track this. I mean, maybe if the iPhone was jailbroken, I'd be able to get apps that would give me more data, but I didn't. Um, at least the phone company was decent enough to give me an extra 250 megabytes. Um, so I'm currently at about 360. Um, so I used 250 in five days. I used another 60 the day of troubleshooting. And basically since then I've been using, you know, 10 or 15 a day at most, even less than 10 a day, and coming back to around this 100, 120 megabyte um, usage for two weeks. Okay, so I noticed in your article that push is left off. No, I put push back on now. Oh, you did? Okay, because... At the end of the I article, I said, for now, I'll leave push off, um, but I've turned it back on, and nothing's happened. Um, so it's just one of those things, maybe something went awry. Now, when well, you replace said, thinking, the SIM card, you turn off the phone. Is there something else you're supposed to do when you replace a SIM card? No, and I've switched SIM cards before, like when I was traveling between France and England. Um, and again, with this gift gaff that I'd been using for several months when I was traveling to avoid roaming charges, um, my data was just normal. It's something to do with this new carrier and the way... Something wasn't – I really think it's something – the phone was trying to register something. It said, register me, and the carrier said no. And it said, register me, and the carrier said no. Maybe hundreds of times every minute. Well, that's something that is the carrier's fault. Of course it is, but they're not going to be able to diagnose this. 
but then you can hold them responsible because you're saying, look, because your servers aren't registering a legitimate SIM and I'm a legitimate customer, I will not pay for that data usage. Yeah, well, Go there's a couple of things there. First of all, it was registering the SIM. I was able to make calls. I didn't have any problems. But there was some sort of a service that wasn't getting registered. And trying to get to the bottom of that um, was just difficult. Now, if it had continued, obviously, I would have gone back to the phone company and said, well, look, I'm just canceling this contract. I don't have the time to hassle with this. Um, because over the phone, they said to me, you know, we really can't know what's going on. I'm sure if it bumped up to, like, level three technical support. They would know what's going on. They would be able to track it somehow. Um, you give them the IP address that, that this app called Act Monitor displays. Um, they can find, they can check the logs and find out what's going on. Or you can call the U.S. Department of Justice. They can send a subpoena down. I understand they're very good at that to send subpoenas down, and they can track your cell phone usage. Yeah, except they don't do that in the U.K., do they? You know what? How do you know? Good point. How do you know what they're doing in the U.K.? Because remember. British intelligence and American intelligence, you know, two peas in a pod. They work very closely together. We're working closely with Kirk McElhern. I don't know how that conversation started. We're an effective team, Gene. That's right. Effective at what we haven't figured out yet. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
What's more amazing than a Swiss Army knife? A survival business card. It's 11 functions rolled into one pocket-sized tool, including a sharp knife, a saw, a bottle opener, and a can opener, too. It even has a wrench. It lays flat, fits right in your wallet. A survival multi-tool for your wallet, leather-like sheath included, designed to be practical and built to last yours free. That's right, free. Claim yours right now while supplies last at freesurvivaltool.com. Again, that's freesurvivaltool.com. Bills in front of Congress right now could take away your right to keep and bear arms. If Obama has his way, all guns will be either banned, restricted, or confiscated, possibly by executive order. The best way to keep your guns is to hide them. What Obama can't find, Obama can't take away. You can protect your guns from any threat. Download our special report, How to Hide Your Guns, at GoHideYourGuns.com. Learn how to hide your guns while keeping them readily available. Get the report now before they make us take it down. On the web at GoHideYourGuns.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Kirk McElhern, author, talking from his palatial estate now somewhere in England. As that sounds like a record album. There was a record album somewhere in England or something like that that came out I, once. I couldn't yeah. tell you. So we were talking first about the case of the bleeding data. Yep. You know, and it wasn't CSI. It was some kind of shtick where the SIM card maybe wasn't properly communicating with the carrier, and the carrier remained obtuse because they make money from you regardless of what happens, and they're only too happy to do that. Mm. So there you go. And again, the, there's a data cap. When I was in France, my contract had unlimited data, um, which is pretty common in France, and which is there's only really one phone company that offers that here. Um, it, it's a real mishmash. You get a phone company that does an unlimited data, but limits calls. You get a phone company that gives unlimited calls and texts, but limits data. You'd think it'd be easier in the long term to just give unlimited everything which, again, is what I had in France and far cheaper than what I'm paying here, um, than to go through all this hassle. <sighs> well, here, of course, in the U.S., even when you have unlimited data, it's not always unlimited. Yeah, well, that's the same here for certain things. They, they talk about sort of fair use, and it's not that the data isn't unlimited. It's that they'll throttle you if you use a lot. Um, I never had this problem in France, either with Internet or with cell phone, um, because they just don't do that. Um, I've been, I'm currently in a 
furnished apartment that has internet. So I haven't chosen, but there are a couple of um, internet providers that do true unlimited data that will not throttle you, but others that give you, you know, 20 or 30 gigabytes a month. Now, I was talking to someone in a store the other day saying, you know, which is the best provider? And he was saying, well, this is good, this is good. And I say, well, what about data limits? Oh, yeah, well, this one's 30 gigs a month. And, you know, I never hit that. And I was, I was thinking, well, I mean, you know, I could hit that in, you know, imagine four OS ten betas at 4.4 gigabytes each. Um, imagine a few iTunes store movie rentals at 4 gigabytes per HD. Imagine if I get a Netflix flick subscription, which is relatively cheap, um, and I'd like to try out. You, you hit that 30 gigs, you know, very quickly. Well, 30 gigs is absurd. Yeah, but that's what a lot of them do here. Um, and what's interesting is, so let's think about this logically. On the one hand, these companies, there was an article in the press recently saying that, what is it, Netflix and YouTube account for half of all internet traffic in the U.S. Um, now, the companies that are providing these services, Netflix, YouTube, um, you know, other streaming things, the iTunes store and all that, they're not paying anyone for the bandwidth that's being used. It's the user who's paying. But if you're in a country where there's a bandwidth cap, the cap is preventing these companies from expanding their business. So if you want to use, let's say Netflix is a good example, um, I don't know, that series House of Cards, I'm guessing an episode is like, in HD, an episode is like two gigabytes, right? 13 episodes, that's 26 gigabytes. You can watch that in a weekend and eat up most of your bandwidth cap. So there's a real problem in a country like this where you have caps that's preventing these businesses from being successful. Now, on the other hand, the ISPs may come back and say, well, maybe they should pay us because they're using all the bandwidth. It's, you know, it's an interesting question. Um, well, well, that's part of the net neutrality argument here in America. I understand that. Um, but I can understand the, the point of view on both sides. On the one hand, why should I have to worry about where the data comes from. But on the other hand, the phone companies or the ISPs, they're the ones who need the infrastructure. It's a pretty tough call. You know, years ago, people were saying the ISPs are making all this money selling um, broadband to people who are torrenting music and stuff. This may have been the case five, six, seven years ago, before we had streaming videos. Um, but now the biggest users are, again, Netflix, YouTube, um, iTunes Store and things like that. So there has to be something in, in a country that has bandwidth caps. There's got to be some sort of there's got to be some sort of way to work this out. So the user can't be limited and can access the services they want to. And so the companies providing these services can continue to provide them and grow. Well, the other issue here is: Are the companies in the UK facing bandwidth problems? Is that why they put all these caps, or is it just greed? You know, I don't know what the historical reason is. Um, I know that they've had caps forever. So it's maybe that they just started like that and figured as long as people are, are going to accept it, we'll just keep doing it. Because what happens is with some of the ISPs, you hit your cap, you can pay however many pounds to get another 10 gigabytes or whatever. So they're basically, it's a cash cow for them. Now, again, compare this to France where, you know, I didn't have lim limits on anything ever um, with the ISPs that I had. And I had several different ISPs over the years. And don't some of those ISPs in France also have divisions in the U.K.? 
Well, everything everywhere. So I said it was a merger of Orange and T-Mobile. Orange is formerly France Telecom, which bought out the Orange brand in the UK and in other countries. So basically, everything everywhere is owned by a French company. But they don't care about that. They're, you know, while you can cross borders in Europe easily, um, there's no kind of there's no kind of coherence in the way that they market different things from one country to another. Well, of course, we have the UK trying to separate itself from the rest of the EU. That's a chronic problem. That's one of the political issues. Yeah, there's talk about that. And there's even a bill going through Parliament today, the day that we're recording this. Of course, this shows that I watched the BBC, um, the Prime Minister's Questions bit um, on the BBC this afternoon for a while, which is kind of like mixed martial arts, but verbal. Um, and so there's a bill, they're trying to get an amendment to force a referendum and all that. Who knows what's going to happen? It'll take years to get there. A lot of British people don't want to be in the EU. Um, they didn't adopt the euro, which probably was a big mistake for them um, and a big hassle for me. But I wouldn't worry too much about them separating because it would be an economic calamity. But I'm no expert on that sort of stuff, so we really shouldn't talk too much. Yeah, it's very interesting here. While we were mentioning don't talk about politics, we don't want to talk about politics on the Tech Night Out Live, although there are sometimes political issues, our burglar alarm suddenly went off here. I do not presume to explain that. Maybe the Illuminati are after us, maybe the silence group, maybe the international bankers because we're having a cross-continent conversation. Could be. You, you know, it's... I don't know. I don't want to speculate because, you know, we might just say something that might get us in trouble. Well, it's not just the fact that they log our phone calls. They record our phone calls. If you watch the TV show, by the way, Person of Interest, I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's a Jonathan Nolan creation with J.J. Abrams. And it's about this all-knowing computer. And it, every week it gives a list of names of people who may have a problem, may be perpetrating a crime, may be the victims of a crime. And, of course, we have these two people who go after them. Hasn't it, that been canceled? No, it's the highest rate. I thought news. I just saw, no, seriously, I thought I saw recently um, that it was canceled. Oh, absolutely, 100% not. The reverse, it's one of the highest rated scripted dramas on CBS. So it's okay. the reverse. And, of course, Jonathan Nolan, by the way, is one of the authors of The Dark Knight Rises and all that. So, you know, he's involved in that. So it's a very intricate plotting and everything. No, the ratings are always top-notch. It is okay. much higher rated than its predecessor show. And it does very well. In fact, I think they added a cast addition in the coming season. So, you know, it's all, all things going up. So it's not. In fact, the other show, which you might appreciate, there's a modern reimagining of Sherlock Holmes called Elementary. Yeah, that's the I saw an episode that's with um what's his name? Johnny Lee yeah, Miller, who is British, but he is known in the past as someone who's been on American television. And Lucy yeah. Liu. So uh, Watson is a woman and Sherlock oh, Holmes yeah, lives yeah, yeah. in the I modern saw, day. Yeah, I saw the the pilot for that. Okay. It's an interesting idea. He's really a good actor. He really carries the show. Yeah, I didn't like it, but that's okay. All right, well, of course. And, of course, the guy who plays Sherlock in the British TV series, he's the villain in Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay. 
So I know you don't care about any of this stuff because this is all pop culture stuff and you're a classic. Is that opened over there yet, the Star Trek movie? Star Trek Into Darkness will be opened by the time you hear this. Ah, see, it's already opened here like a week ago. Right, so it's already. I could have seen it and I could be giving you all kinds of spoilers. Well, I already know one particular spoiler. Well, don't say it. Who the villain really is, what his real name is. It's Lex Luthor, isn't it? Huh? It's Commissioner Gordon, isn't it? No, it's Bruce Wayne. I'm, we have Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Springtime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's spring specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Super Fam and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin D, and our colloidal minerals, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. And Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. I will not repeat the interplay. In he just told me who the villain is, and I don't even know who this character is. I've just not seen these Star Trek movies, so... I won't mention it, okay? It's okay. Right. You're not interested in Star Trek. How about Star Wars? You know, I liked the first one, and it went downhill from there. It's where they decided, after the first film succeeded, how to merchandise. Yeah. I particularly didn't like, actually, it was the fourth one was the first one, but the, the, the one, two, and three that they made out, I particularly didn't like them. I really couldn't care less that there's going to be new movies every two years, and it's going to be like a perpetual franchise until... You know, our great-great-grandchildren are watching them. 
Well, the next one will be directed by the guy who directed Star Trek. Yeah, okay. And it's going to be darker, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's going to be Star Wars 7, The Dark Knight. No, forget it. Yeah. Let's talk about something else more important than that, okay? There are more important subjects. Let's talk about computer stuff, not movies, because, you know. Okay. All right. You didn't see Oblivion, did you? Oblivion? I saw that. No, I didn't see it. Okay. I mean, some people think that of the show. Oblivion. Or it should be obliterated. Well, that's true. We could rip on that for a while, but let's not. Okay. You want to talk about something about computers, because that's what this show is about. You really think so? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what. Here we go. There's a report out this past week saying that Microsoft wants Apple to make a Windows 8 version, Metro-savvy version of iTunes 11, and Apple says, no. Now, you're the iTunes guy. Heard anything about this? Well, I just read the same things that you have. Basically, my answer would be, why should they? <laughs> because what we're talking about here is, is a touchscreen version of the iTunes store, which already exists on the iPad. But why should Apple do anything to promote Windows tablets? Because iTunes is a storefront from which they make money. Yeah, but so if I understand correctly, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I probably am. When you've got a Windows tablet, you can switch between the Metro and the sort of standard interface. The interface formerly known as Metro. And you can go into what's called the desktop app. And desktop, of course, gives you something sort of like Windows 7. Right, and you can run iTunes on that. Right. In theory, you could run, if there was an iTunes 11 for Windows 8, you could run two versions of the app. Right, you could have right. You could have the desktop and the previously known as Metro. But I have no idea what the sales figures are for the, the touchscreen tablets running Windows, but I doubt they're There's about three people bought them. Exactly. So why should Apple devote resources to that? Only if Windows 8 was doing reasonably well then Apple could see that as another place to expand their market. Sure. But since it's not, Apple can just say, ah, you know. We'll get to it. it. We're looking into it. We'll get to it. Yeah. And even, because it's... It's the reverse, though. You know, it's, you know, (laughs) turnaround is fair play, they say. And you think of this, where Apple would be begging Microsoft to develop stuff for the Mac. It came to that, and now the reverse is true, where Microsoft will beg Apple. Yeah. You know, some people say we should have Microsoft Office on the iPad and iPhone, and Apple's doing perfectly fine with Pages. It reads Office documents with reasonable fidelity. They're now reportedly increasing staffing on the iWork team. Hey, the the last versions of iWork on OS X are only four years old, so... Only? Yeah. It's about time. Actually, more than four years, because if I remember, they were 09 versions that came out in the fall of 08. So we're getting on four and a half years now. But, um, you know, the, the iTunes Windows 8, it's like, so what? Move on. Next story. N- nothing against you for talking about it. I'm just saying it's not a big deal because no one's buying Windows 8 tablets. Um, it's just like Apple's not making an Android version of the iTunes store. That would be... Yeah, you know, but that really business. would be something basically drawing traffic to their number one competitor. Exactly. And in the case of Windows... You're dealing with kind of a hybrid operating system that's meant to work on touchscreen tablets and on desktop computers. Of course, as we said before, only three or four people are buying the touchscreen version. In fact, one of the companies who had a Windows RT tablet, that's the ARM version, they cut their price to like 299 because they couldn't sell them. Yeah. 
Well, a- Apple's going to make the decisions they make. They're doing fine with iTunes. You know, we've seen in the press recently that what used to be called a break-even store is now making, if I'm not mistaken, $4 billion in profit a year. Most of which, by the way, is being stored in offshore um, bank accounts in the Cayman Islands to avoid paying U.S. income tax. But that's a story for another day. The other story is, do you realize that iTunes now makes far more profit in one year than Amazon makes, what, in five years? Amazon makes no profit. You know, they make uh, maybe $100 million, they lose $100 million. So Apple, in one year, with one store fund, is making more profits than Amazon can manage with all their stuff. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you look at supermarkets, and because I would consider Amazon to be a supermarket sure. now, or, or what they call over here a hypermarket. Well, it's a um, supermarket, but also a flea market, because it's not just Amazon. You have loads of independent dealers who have their stuff available through true, Amazon. True, but even just, just Amazon as a storefront is what you'd call over here a hypermarket. They sell everything. Um, that sort of branch of retail is ext- has an extremely low profit margin, yet companies are willing to run these things and and big groups own you know multinational uh supermarket chains there's money in it but when you consider the profit margin because the profit margin is basically compared to sales when you're considering that a supermarket is buying a lot of stuff and selling it there's a big difference with what apple's doing because apple's not actually buying it they're only selling what they've sold in other words, they don't have any inventory. They sell something and then they put it in a spreadsheet and say, we got to pay a company because this is all digital. Um, so remember that Amazon is dealing with bricks and mortar and, 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 and atoms as opposed to bits and bytes. So you've got all of the related charges dealing with inventory and, and shipping and putting things in boxes and shipping them out and, you know, all of that sort of process that Apple doesn't have to do at all. We could talk about Apple's online store um, as a separate thing. I don't know if they break out the sales from their online stores versus their retail stores. Um, well, the online but, store, of course, if we're talking about that, it's still physical product. You right. Know, but as opposed if, to the App Store, anything related to iTunes, and I consider the Mac App Store just an extension of iTunes, even though it's a separate app because it's basically functioning in the same way. Right. I'm just saying in terms of if you're looking at a, uh, your profit margin as a percentage, um, you have to compare what's comparable. Now, is Amazon a profitable company because they make a couple hundred million? Their stock has been doing well. Um, you know, it's gone up a lot and it keeps doing well enough for investors to want to invest in it. Um, so these people are making money somehow. I don't know if, Av- if Amazon pays dividends or not. Um, if they do, that, of course, would bring down the profits. So... Yeah, it's it's Apple's doing great because they don't have any inventory because it's easy to sell. Um, easy in quotes, obviously. It's a huge, it's usually complex store when you look in the back end. But there's no inventory, and basically they just sell what they want, and they don't have to worry about the cost of maintaining inventory of things that might be perishable, of things that can get damaged, you know, all those things. Right, as opposed to Amazon, where Amazon is a much more complicated thing because Amazon's selling, yes, they're selling virtual product too, but they're selling mostly physical product, and things right. can get damaged. They even sell groceries. Sure. In some parts of the United States, I'm not sure about the European or other countries. No, not well. They they sell non-perishable things like they'll sell diapers and cleaning products and stuff like that. Dog food. We got yeah, dry dog food. As a matter of fact, our dog is 
eating food that we acquired from Amazon where we paid like, I think $16 for like a six week supply. Yeah. Okay. I wish I could eat for six weeks for $16. You can eat dog food. Yeah. Okay. I was kind of, you know, kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Let's kind of grainy. Yeah. You know, but anyway, you're not comparing the same things. Um, you'd have to compare overall sales. I don't think Amazon's overall sales are as high as Apple's. No, but Amazon has an incredible infrastructure to send that stuff out. I mean, in the Phoenix area, I literally order anything they have in the Phoenix area, anything, and I get it almost the next day. I don't have to pay for next day delivery because that's how long it takes to get to me. We have Kirk McElhern who can't get here in a day because. He has a long trip to make, and he doesn't like transporters. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Don't be surprised when the global elite confiscates money from your bank account one day. They have already very clearly telling you that they're going to do it. With what just happened in Cyprus serving as a blueprint for future bank bailouts, if you are concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Imagine waking one morning only to find your family shivering in the dark because you couldn't afford to pay your electric bill. That's closer than you think. You probably haven't heard about this yet because the liberal media has been suppressing what is fast becoming the most shocking news story of 2012. Obama's secret war on coal that could increase your already high power bill as much as 400% in coming months. As shocking as it sounds, it may well be just a matter of time before the lights start going out across America. But here's some good news. There's an underground video at Exposed123.com that thousands of smart patriots have used to end their slavery to the corrupt electricity monopoly. The video at Exposed123.com has already been banned by Google, and the liberal media is doing everything in its power to take it down and keep America in the dark. 
So watch it now at Exposed123.com before it's too late. Again, that's Exposed123.com. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Kirk McElhern yep. joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. We started with data bleeding. We talked about data caps, and we even talked about reasons why Apple might not want to make a version of iTunes 11 for Windows 8. Or maybe eventually they will, but let Microsoft sweat. Have you played with Windows 8 much? Not at all. Aren't you lucky? I absolutely have no desire, literally no desire, to do anything with Windows. I do have VMware Fusion, a version a couple years old. I have used it to check out iTunes on Windows. I still have Windows XP on it. I really, literally have no desire to spend my time looking at Windows. Okay, let's look at other operating system things. We know that next month Apple will have a Worldwide Developers Conference in San Francisco. They've pretty much already indicated there will be new developer releases for iOS, probably iOS 7 and OS 10, which will be 10.9. Do you care to guess which cat 10.9 will be? You know, that's a good question. Because we've gotten to the point of all the noticeable cat names being used, and one of the suggestions was Cougar, which is, you know, a well-known cat. Remember the Cougar car and all that. But the connotation of Cougar has become somewhat um, sexist. So I can't really see Apple doing that. You know, I, I can't see them, like, being funny and choosing alley cat or something like that you know it's it's not like the whole android thing with oh wow it's ice cream sandwich and stuff so i don't know maybe they're going to not use a cat anymore maybe they'll call it os 11 you know that's a good question okay so there's a problem because os 10 was following on os 9 obviously or mac os 9 or whatever it was called system 9 what was it called back then? i don't even remember today we call it os but system 7 then they had system 8 and then System 9 for a very short period of time before going to 10. I think it was called Mac OS 9 by then. But anyway, so they went to 10, and the 10 is nice. It's X. It's, you know, that big single Roman numeral. And if they go to 11, it's XI, or maybe they wouldn't use it. But then, of course, there's always the sort of spinal tap joke, oh, we go to 11 now. 
I'm almost thinking that we're due for Mac OS 10 2014. Mac OS 2014. That sounds too Microsoft. Yeah, but you don't have a lot of choices because you can't go. So if we go to 10.9, you're not going to go to 10.10. That just sounds like someone made a mistake. So it'd be Mac OS XX. Make it 20. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they've thought about this, and I'm sure they've spent a great deal of time thinking about this. You know, this is something where this kind of discussion can get almost as much byplay and interaction as the actual operating system, the branding. Yeah. It's important for, for marketing, and, and I think Apple did make a good choice using cats because they're fierce animals. I mean, they're scary, but they're not. You know, cats, even if it's a lion or a tiger or whatever, they're, what's the word? They have gravitas, right? Apropos of nothing, we have a dog, as our listeners know, uh, Bichon Frise, but we also have cats, not that we bought cats, not that we rescued cats, but a family of cats has lodged itself outside of our home. So we have Mama Cat and three kittens. And we're trying to figure out what to do because my wife is allergic to cats. So anybody who lives in the Phoenix area, you want a well-fed cat family because we bring them out food every day, give us a ring. Okay. So I'm just looking at the Wikipedia article on big cats. And so you've got tiger, lion, jaguar, and leopard. Um, You've got cheetah. Have they used cheetah yet? Even for what was the 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 public beta was Puma, wasn't it? Right, I think Cheetah was ten point oh, wasn't it? I'm not sure. And then you got Snow Leopard and Clouded Leopard and Sunda Cloud Clouded Leopard. So we've had Snow Leopard, but the other two we're not going to use. Um, and you've got Cougar, which is actually a Puma, a Puma, Puma, whatever. Public beta was Kodiak. Really, I never heard that. That's a bear. Right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Somebody put that in Wikipedia because they're having a good time at our expense. was cheetah. Okay. 10.1 was puma. Then jaguar, panther, tiger, leopard, snow leopard, lion, mountain lion. So they've used all the big cats. Right. I mean, officially, in all the big cat species, they've used them all. So there can't be another cat unless they use cougar, which is a puma, and which has the problem of the sort of sexist thing. And people could say, well, you've already done this because you've already used puma. So my money would be on something other than big cats at this point they can get away with it with ios 7 you see it doesn't need another name doesn't need anything but a code name of course you know maybe an internal name it doesn't matter but apple was using these cat names as internal names and then they woke up one day and say you know this is fun for marketing let's do it yeah and they make for good pictures you know the the tiger picture was really good if you remember um the lion picture was cool and snow leopard is like sleek and sly and sneaky and all so but yeah i think the cat day is over and we'll have to think what animal they're going to use i can't see them using dogs no because that has a negative connotation now dog lovers will complain yeah right so therefore we'll have mac os 11 bichon yeah or mac os 12 poodle or you know i just can't see that it just and when do they get to Labrador Retriever? Yeah, there are too many dog breeds, and none of them have, because a big cat is a fierce animal. A dog's just a little thing you got to walk. you got to walk it, and they're cute, and they snuggle up to you, especially when they want food. Yeah. So, you know, you can't say that with dogs. At least most dogs snuggle up. There's some dogs in this neighborhood that they see anything walking, and they're ready to bite your head off. 
Yeah, but the key okay. is forgetting the cat names or the dog names or whatever names Apple devises for the marketing message. What do you think Apple needs to do with the next version of OS X? Um, that's the perennial question, isn't it? Um, we get this all the time, and I think what they're going to do is is further strengthen the links between iOS and OS X, and there are two good reasons for this. One, because on the internal side, on the, on the sort of back-end side, the development, um, if they can share code, it makes it a lot easier for them. And two, if there are more similarities, it makes it easier for a user with one device to understand another one. I think we're going to see color come back in like the Finder toolbar. Um, we already saw it back in iTunes 11 when you display the old, sorry, the Finder sidebar. We already saw it in iTunes 11 when you display the old sidebar. It has color now. Um, I'd really like, you know, it's a small thing, but I'd really like a tabbed Finder. I'm looking at my desktop. I've got three Finder windows open because one is for a network share and another is for a project I'm working on. I'm copying files back and forth. It would be easier to have tabs, um, kind of like what Pathfinder can do. Aside from that, you know, we've reached the point where any kind of features are going to be extremely tiny. And I, it's, it's really hard to think of what you need until you sort of get annoyed by something and think, gee, it would be nice if it had that. We have this. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we have to tell you one more thing. A little bit later in the show, we're going to be talking to Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. And he's got a lot to talk about Apple's relationship with China about Tim Cook talking taxes before committee of the U.S. House of Representatives. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Folks, you'll want to hear this. No matter what size your business, people don't take you seriously unless you have a professional-looking website. You can empower your business with a stunning online presence, and it's free. Join over 30 million people who've built their websites with Wix. Once again, it's completely free and requires absolutely no design or coding skills. Check out Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. If you love pineapple as much as I do, I've got some great news for you. You're going to love this offer from Freeze Dry Guy. For the month of May, Freeze Dry Guy is offering the finest quality freeze dried pineapple, a case of six number 10 cans yielding 114 servings at a special introductory price. First quality freeze dried pineapple grown and packed with nothing added. This healthy treat works wonders with salad, is great for snacking, hiking, hunting, camping, and for 
adding to your food storage program. And please note that Freeze-Dried Guys Foods will store on your shelf for decades. Order now and get free shipping to your front door within the lower 48 states. This special introductory price is good until May 31st. For more information and a free complete product list, go to freezedryguy.com or phone 866-404-3663. Freezedryguy.com, 866-404-3663. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 877 886 3653. That's 1 877 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So aside from figuring out what cat to use next, if there are any cats left of any significance, cat lovers unite. We have Kirk McElhern joining us on Tech Night Out Live. We're talking about what OS 10.9 or whatever should contain. There are reports, by the way, of a possible tabbed finder. That seems to be low-hanging fruit. That seems fairly insignificant to do. I think there are fundamentals Apple can clean up, then go through the entire operating system and find areas that don't work very efficiently, like the finder. You know, it still gets lost in terms of positions and settings. I'm not quite accurate about that. There's still strange things going on that Apple could smooth. They want to get rid of scoomorphia, this incredible disease where things take on the function and the appearance of real-life objects. Supposedly, they're going to get rid of that. Yeah. But I think if Apple looked at a list of the top 10 gripes people have with Mac OS X, they find things to fix. I'm sure they'll find things. I mean, when macOS 10.8 came out, 
they, they, they advertise 200 new features or whatever, and every time they do advertise a couple hundred new features, some of them are very small. A lot of them are unexpected. A lot of them are unimportant um, for the most part. You know, you can look at certain aspects of OS X and see things that have been around since the very beginning. You look at something like disk utility hasn't been changed very much or keychain access and things that we don't necessarily use a lot, granted. The Finder hasn't changed that much since, what, 10.4? Is that when the sidebar came in, 10.5? You know, when they when they got rid of that old striped interface, that horrid thing which we thought was cool for about a year, um, it's just... There are no new apps. There are no new major features. Okay, here's one thing I can think of. Um, some sort of a technology that can read fingerprints instead of so we don't have to use passwords. Um, passwords are just a pain. Now, they could do a number of things, do biometrics with your voice and, and something like that. Um, uh, how about uh, retina scans? Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that because that means that you've got to have a camera. Um, you've got to be in the right well, position. Well, you do have, have a camera. Right- Most of these products do have cameras. Not not if you have an external monitor that's not an Apple monitor. Um, so that could be a problem. Um, voice is much easier, I think. Um, because with a retina scan, you've got to be in exactly the right position and hold that position for a while. Um, I think it's a lot easier to do a voice thing where you record 30 seconds or a minute of, of your voice as a sample, and then instead of a password, it's going to ask you to read something very similar, uh, something simple. Um now, I can see this being a problem in an office with a lot of people, and but if there's an office, people are talking, so, you know, you wouldn't be reading your password. You'd be reading the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog or whatever it is. Sure, um, but what so, if you took recordings of your boss and you well, learned how to thing. imitate yeah. your boss? Well, no, what if you recorded your boss? It's not so much imitating. Sure. Um, That's done on TV shows all the time. They take the recording of someone or they pull the person's eye out and they use it for retina scans. Or yeah, they okay. make a recording of the person's voice, and they use that to get through the password protection, which shows how lame that feature is. Yeah, but it would have to be. It would have to have something else. It would. Ha- it would have to be a two-factor thing, and I don't know what the other is. Fingerprints are good until you take uh, somebody's fingers off. Well, so you do voice and fingerprint. Because come on, Gene, you and I, we don't have stuff on our computers that people are going to torture us to get, right? Speak for yourself. Okay, okay, okay. You, you've got secrets there. Okay, you got well, secrets. Remember, I'm the host yeah, of the you're, radio you're, show. You're, you're, right, you're the paranormal dude. radio the show called okay. The Paracast. We explore yeah, yeah, UFOs yeah. and things that go bump in the night. And yeah, we have okay. all sorts of information here that take us where no man has gone before. Well, Think about where that. some men have gone, but not too many. Um, but well, okay, three so or four. But yeah, fact, right. I, I could see some, I would love to see improvements that mean I don't have to keep typing passwords. Um, and of course, the problem with passwords is that people are tempted to use simple passwords because they're easy to remember. Um, I use one password and I generally generate random 14 character passwords, which are not very easy to crack. Um, but I can't remember them. So if I don't have one password, if it doesn't work, my password file gets corrupted, then I'm basically dead in the water. So that could be something that could be a big selling point if they could do that both for iOS and for OS 10, by the way. All right. But other than that, I, you know, everything's kind of, we don't need to have big changes in our operating system every year. But Apple's promise it, sort of. Well, everyone promises it because new is better and all that. And then, you know, Apple does something new and then doesn't 
do anything with it. Like Spotlight, for instance. Remember when Spotlight came out? It was the big thing. And then has Apple made any improvements to Spotlight since 10.5? So in or 10.6. So in 10.4, they released Spotlight. And in either 10.5 or 10.6, they made some improvements, got rid of the Spotlight menu, which was extremely useful. And they haven't really changed anything since then in Spotlight. It's just languished as one of those features that most people don't understand and could really do a lot better to have a simpler way to do powerful searches. So I don't, who's, who knows? It's, they're going to come up with something and people are going to, you know, there's going to be a keynote and people are going to go wow for some of them and they're going to go yawn for others. And we'll talk about it and write about it and, you know, we'll wait for the next one. It's getting boring. No, it shouldn't be boring. But what does Apple do to make things exciting? What about iOS 7? We're talking about what they call an aging operating system because it goes back to 2007. I can't believe that long ago we got the first iPhone and the first iOS so now well, we're, we're we're talking about mature operating systems. We're talking about um, operating systems that don't have much room to grow because there's not much left to add to them. Unless you, you rethink know, you, the entire paradigm for graphical user interfaces, I guess to some degree that's what Microsoft tried to do, but they misfired big time. It's possible. Um, it you know changing something as ingrained as the WIMP interface, um, which is Window Icon Mouse Pointer. Um, love that acronym. Something that's that, that's that ingrained that we've been using since, well, since the 80s, basically. Um, that's a huge change. That's like telling people who drive on the right side of the road to drive on the left. Um, and trust me, that's not simple. So I bet right now you've got more dense. Have you been driven at all in the UK since no. you moved? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm avoiding it. If I can see why. Um, but th- this is a kind of a, the, a sort of massive change in, in a conceptual thing would meet with a lot of resistance. Um, and the only way they could do it is kind of what Microsoft has done, where you've got your two versions of Windows 8, um, the sort of new paradigm and the old paradigm. So the people who want to keep with the old paradigm can do so, and the ones who want to be early adopters can go ahead. I'm just not convinced that we're going to see something like that um, in the next version of OS X. And iOS 7? Hmm. Well, you know, it's the same. You, all, all of these increases have been incremental and getting tinier and tinier as time goes on. You can't just sort of overthrow everything and toss it all out and come up with something. And that's what Apple did with, with OS X, remember, back in the day. But it was a different context. Um, first of all, OS X was very slow to get started um, and kept the classic environment so you could keep old apps and all of that. And that was a programming thing. It wasn't an interface thing entirely. Um, but it was also a context of operating systems that really didn't handle the same kind of data as we do today. We didn't do much with video back then. Um, we didn't do a lot with music. Uh, so... You know, now that we've got all the types of content that we can use in digital form, you can't make a big change. You really can't. We have to see where Apple is going to come up with new ideas. Or will they? What's going to happen in June? We'll continue to cover that. Kirk McElhern, where can we find more of the stuff that you do? 
Well, you can go to my website, Kirkville. That's at com. You can go to Macworld, where I'm pretty often there. And you can go to Mac OS X Hints, which I edit. And you can learn all sorts of neat tips for using Mac OS X. And you can even submit some hints if you have your own that you think are worthwhile. Always worthwhile to have Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Kirk, thanks, my friend, for joining us again. Thanks for having me again, Gene. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. (coughs) Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. 
My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB Extract. Millions of people like Ernesto are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and Body Extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. She did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Brian Chaffin from the Mac Observer joining us this week on the Tech Night Out Live. And among our first topics of discussion was this week's event at Google called Google I.O., during which they enhanced the Chrome OS. They announced that the Samsung Galaxy S4 would be available in a pure Nexus-style version with just Android, which means all those crazy apps that Samsung has added will not be there. But I noticed one thing, Brian, before we get into anything else. They really didn't mention that there was supposed to be or expected to be a revision to the Android OS, and it did not happen. Well, I I don't know how many people are actually expecting it, but it is something that they've done for the last several years at Google I.O. Maybe they... It's hard to know exactly what Google was planning, but the whole thing felt pretty lackluster, in part because, as you just mentioned, no new Android, but also no new Google Nexus hardware. And you have to think of this, imagine a WWDC, where Apple didn't announce an iOS or an OS X. Right. And of course, if that happened, Apple's stock price would go down 100 points. Google, their stock price goes up. Who could have thunk it? Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of weirdness when it comes to Apple stock. We can go into that, but let's just take a look at what Google did announce. So they've got a new subscription music service. Yeah, called All Access. Okay. So if I've got Spotify or something like that, why do I care? Isn't that enough for me? Why do I need another version of what I have? You probably don't. Um, but, of course, a lot of Android uh, fans are going to want to try what Google is doing. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I don't think any anyone's really going to need both, but certainly a lot of people will choose... Uh, all access over the competitors, just as many, many people would choose whatever Apple ends up introducing in this space over everything else. So we see here that Google wants to be more like Apple in different ways. But you see, what surprises me here is they own Motorola Mobility, which makes smartphones. Right. But their Nexus phone, the next one, is going to be a pure version of the Samsung Galaxy S4. That almost seems to be a way of conceding that Motorola can't meet what Samsung does. Well, you know, it, so it won't be sold under the Nexus brand. In fact, this is the first device that Google is going to sell directly without making it a Nexus device. And I actually think that's really interesting. But the most of the previous Nexus devices have also not been made by Motorola. Uh, Google has been over backwards, actually, in my opinion, cut its nose despite its face, 
to keep from turning to Motorola for all these things, I guess, to appease all the other Android OEMs out there. And personally, I think it's a mistake. Well, the previous ones were made by HTC, I think. They've been made by a variety of companies. So Asus was making the uh, tablet. HTC has made some devices. Um, I, I want to say that Samsung made one, too. I know that Motorola made one, I think. But it's that they've gone to different partners for, for each generation of device. They want to be equal opportunity offenders. Yes. So the one thing, of course, about the Samsung device is for the first, I don't know, number of weeks, two weeks on sale, they're getting like, what, 8 million sold or shipped so far? They're getting iPhone-level sales there. Yeah, well, it should be a very successful device it, it it has uh an impressive display it you know it's it's the this is succeeding um generation to what was already a very successful line and and i certainly expect it to continue with the gs4 well we do have a brand new gs4 right in my grubby hands right now and the thing i can tell you the biggest criticism among many that i have the s3 was that the picture was too dim yeah Okay, I think everybody's talked about that. You go in sunlight, it's very dim. It is less so on the S4. So every time I'd go out on the S3, I would first change the brightness from the middle level, which is what I use in the house, to the maximum level. Now, I understand Samsung and other Android phones have an auto brightness setting, but it's not like the auto brightness on an iPhone, which actually works. It just makes everything very dim. Right. Well, you know, Tim Cook said uh, very specifically that there were uh, a lot of trade-offs with the current uh, large display uh, technologies and that Apple would not release a large display iPhone until they could uh, uh, eradicate that, until they could not have it be a trade-off. And, uh, and I think that some of what you're talking about right there is, is, is what he was talking about. Right. Also, maybe battery life because it's a much larger battery. Battery life, the color, the quality of the color, the quality of the brightness, as you mentioned, uh, battery life is one of the absolute biggest issues. Now, I have to say also something I noticed about the S4. The S4 has a much higher pixels per inch density in 400 range, where Apple's 300 range for retina display. Right. But the text is not as sharp as Apple's. And side-by-side, side, you don't see much of a difference between the S4 and the S3. That's a dirty well, little secret. In theory, our eyes would not be able to detect that difference. That's the whole notion of a retina display in the first place. But you place. can see the little dots on which the image is made up huh. on the S3 and the S4. So I wonder if that spec is real or that spec is phantom spec. It's a phantom spec. Do people actually measure those things? Uh Hard to know. I think that the resolution that they're displaying is probably accurate, but how they get there is probably the issue. But the one thing that it does do is it shows 10, uh, 1080p video natively, and that's pretty remarkable. That's pretty remarkable. There's also a feature called Watch On, which is an app that works with a built-in remote control feature, and it's supposed to be a replacement for a universal remote. Mm. supposed to be. But so far as I can tell, and maybe I'm using it wrong, one of our listeners can tell me. So far as I can see, it only works with the TV set and the DVR or the set-top box. So if I'm using, say, a surround sound system, it doesn't right. recognize that. I'm using a Blu-ray player. There's no option for the Blu-ray player. 
you're you're hinting right around the edge of 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 what I think is the elephant in the room when it comes to the GS4. Samsung showed off all these new software features in their rather bizarre media event when they announced this thing. And some of those features are redundant to Android and, quite frankly, not as good as Android. S-Voice, for instance, is certainly not as good as uh, what Google can do. Uh, S-Search is obviously nowhere near uh, as good as what Google can do. But then there's all the, the you know the the wave your hand over the phone to answer it because you happen to be eating barbecue at the time. Um, the eye tracking software that'll pause a video if you dare to look away. I mean, these no one seems to be interested in these features. Samsung was trying very hard to differentiate itself from other Android OEMs, but they're doing it in a way that's pretty. I don't know, grasping at straws. I, I don't know how else to put it. It's just kind of like, like, hey, hey, look, there's this thing that we do differently, but no one really cares. And many of them don't work like they're supposed to. Well, of course, there's that feature, smart scrolling, where supposedly you tilt your head or you tilt the phone and it scrolls a page. Yeah. The thing is, it sort of works, but doesn't always work because different people do things differently. And so it's one of these useless features. But when you add it all up, and you get the basic 16-gigabyte version of the S4. All this junk fills up maybe seven, seven and a half gigabytes of storage. Which is why I am excited about Google's version of this. As I, as I put it in our coverage at the Mac Observer, Google has de-Samsung the GS4 with this uh, stock Android version. And that, to me, is a much more compelling offering than Samsung version of the product. I think after the first day, I think most people who will see these features would like to remove them. And now, by the way, Samsung has said they're going to try to slim down the apps. Of course, this is also a criticism leveled against Microsoft with the Surface tablet. If you get the smallest version, so much storage space is taken up by apps, including Microsoft Office, that you don't have a lot for the rest of your stuff. You've got to get the higher-level storage. The same thing is true with the Galaxy S4 you don't get the 16-gigabyte version. You get the 32. But if you're willing to uh, hassle with it, you can at least use a micro SD card and have up to 64 gigs of additional storage. It's not that hard. I mean, you can open the case, which is very easy. You crack it open, and then you install that card, which I might do. That's what I might end up doing if I run out of space. But I haven't thrown everything on there because ultimately I'll probably go back to an iPhone, and that's sure. where I'll really fill it up with everything. So there you go. And the other big feature about this, this is one of the few devices, along with the iPhone 5, by the way, that supports HD voice, which is this new enhanced protocol for audio quality on a smartphone, but it has to work with another HD voice product and only on networks that support it. T-Mobile does, AT&T, not till later this year. Brian Schaffen of the Mac Observer joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Gardeners, here comes another growing season, but don't use last year's soil. Maximize yields in your survival garden with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 is an organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant that provides a broad spectrum of beneficial microorganisms, enzymes, trace minerals, vitamins, and various organic acids. EM1 helps regulate the soil's pH level and its soil microbes, improving moisture retention and drought tolerance. Remember last year's dry conditions? EM1 from Terraganics is safe, chemical-free, and certified for use on all organic farms. It improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, and gives up to 20% more nutrient value in fruits and vegetables and greatly increases shelf life. And EM1 is so simple to use, just mix with water and apply. This year, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. So your assessment here, looking at Google I.O., I wasn't impressed with anything. I wasn't impressed with this music service because there already are music services. How do they present a difference? How do companies like this present a difference unless they offer lots of unique features or totally turn the market on its head? And if you just follow the leader, what's the point? Well, I think there were a couple of useful announcements. One was the the Hangouts app that Google is going to be uh, rolling out um, that brings uh, all of the features previously associated with the um, Hangouts section of Google Plus into a standalone app. So it'll allow Google Plus users to text with each other, to do uh, uh, video chats uh, a la FaceTime, and to do voice communication as well, i.e. phone calls, like, say, closer to Skype. I think that that's very useful and uh, dramatically increases the value of Google Plus itself since it does require a Google Plus uh, membership. Um, so that that's interesting. I think that their all-access service, while it's not revolutionary and while it is just another service, I think that Google will be able to get uh, a lot of customers for that, Just although Apple will eventually be able to bring more when it introduces its own service. So those were interesting. And I think, again, that the D-Samsung version of the GS4 is very interesting, but interesting is not wowing. 
So I wasn't wowed by this event. Now, they've changed the interface for Google+. Plus. Now, there are a lot of people who've joined Google+, Plus. I guess it's a couple hundred million, but people use it sparingly. They sign up because most of the Google services you join these days have Plus as part of it. But once they get on Plus, they don't do anything. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely a distant runner-up to Facebook at best. I noticed with the newer version, it seems to have more JavaScript with things jumping around more and trying to give it more action and maybe making it less like a mimicking Facebook. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I think that, uh, that, that Google would be very smart to not try to clone Facebook because Facebook is already doing Facebook um, pretty well. Um, so, you know, coming up with, with different services, like uh, this, this, the, the Hangouts app in particular is, it, it is, it, I just want to emphasize this. It's a great way to enhance the value of Google Plus itself. Well, we have to see if we're going to use it and whether people will use it. I have a presence there, but at this point, I haven't really spent time because I don't get much contact from it. I right. use Facebook quite a bit. But speaking of Facebook, Let's get away from Google I.O. because I wasn't impressed, and it sounds like you weren't very impressed either. Right. In fact, the coverage of it seems to be sparing. I mean, it was covered the first day by the media today. Who's talking about it? Right. So we have Facebook. They come out with this home interface or app, and then HTC comes out with a phone to support it, but that phone is just about ready to be discontinued. Yeah, boy, Genius Reports cited some unnamed sources uh, saying that AT&T was ready to pull it, that they've supposedly sold 15,000 units, which is, you know, I mean, not even not even enough to get out of bed for. That reminds me of that Microsoft smartphone or something that came out very briefly and it disappeared. Yeah, you mean the Ken? Yes. I barely remember the name. Yeah. That was one of the other disasters. Okay, so does anybody care about Facebook Home? I tried it on the S3, by the way. Yeah. I installed it on the S3. You know, you don't have to buy a phone for this, folks. You can download it and install it. But then you'll spend about three seconds with it and say, why am I bothering? Well, that was my initial reaction, too. I was told uh, by uh, by uh, folks uh, that, you know, I'm outside the bell curve on this and the Facebook people will eat this, will eat this thing up. And... My and so far, I believe that that I'm not. I'm proving to be not that far out of the curve uh, after all. To me, Facebook Home, which is currently available only on Android, is a very interesting and useful and cool way to browse Facebook. But the problem is, I don't want it taking over my phone, and I'm not interested in running Facebook apps on my phone. You know, Facebook has got has got a complex about being a platform. They have delusions that the, that, that they, that they can be a mobile platform. They have uh, a misunderstanding that they need to compete with Apple and Google on the platform side. I think that's a mistake. I think it's a, it's a huge mistake. And so far the marketplace is, is agreeing with that. Um, so if Facebook were to refocus home as a great app for browsing and consuming Facebook content rather than a way of taking over your smartphone, which is what it does, then uh, I think they'll have a lot more success with it. So the word is let Facebook be Facebook. That when a company tries to go out of its expertise, 
and sometimes expertise can be expanded because look what Apple did. If a company goes outside of their area of success or expertise, a lot of times they fail. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try to take over my Android device. Don't try to take over my iPhone. Actually, of course, Apple would never let them take over the iPhone. So I, we should even explain this here. Facebook Home, what it does uh, on Android devices, you can choose your home screen. You can choose what app is is providing your home screen, which is wonderful from the standpoint of allowing custom, uh, uh, customizability. It's something that Apple doesn't do. You can't take over the Apple home screen because Apple will reject your app from the App Store. And uh, which is why Facebook Home was uh, was originally released only on Android. I think that it's it's the notion the notion of being inundated with Facebook and only Facebook from the moment I pick up my smartphone is just enough to make me personally want to puke. I know that there are a lot of people that spend a lot more time on Facebook than I do, but it would seem that they are also not interested in having Facebook take over their device. So coming back to it, let the smartphone be a smartphone and just provide a great experience from within the Facebook app. That's what they should do. I think I also wonder about Facebook if they're not running out of ideas. I mean, there are always changes to the way things are set up but they don't seem to have any sense to them. I mean, it looks like just changing the furniture, moving the furniture around. Maybe they change your preferences so your privacy preferences go by the wayside, yeah. and now you've got to figure out new privacy preferences. But when I look at Facebook day in and day out, I'm not seeing something there that's a compelling change. It's as if they are frozen in time, and anything they've done to change things has either made it more difficult to navigate or just meant nothing at all. I'd largely agree with that. Well, that's easy. I love when people just largely yeah, agree with me. I know. I don't, I don't have anything to add or argue. Well, there goes Facebook. I don't know what I'm going to do with it either. I have, by the way, two groups for my other radio show called the Paracast. There are two Paracast fan clubs, but there appears to be no real way to merge one with the other, so I just have one. So I kind of let it languish. I figure someday some knowledgeable Facebook expert will write me an email say, Gene, here's how to do it, or I'll talk to a Facebook executive, and maybe they'll help me, or maybe they won't. Or perhaps I can begin to argue that maybe Facebook has become so complicated, so unwieldy, that nobody, nobody out there really knows how to navigate the entire system and how to fix up weird stuff like that, like having two groups when you really intend to have only one. Let us continue here with other subjects and one of which you did a story on the Mac Observer about not too long ago, and we'll let this continue to our next segment, and that is about China. Now, of course, China is of great importance to Apple. I mean, when they had some problems there over product warranties, we had Tim Cook bowing to the people of China, saying, we screwed up, we're going to fix it, we want things to be right with you. And now you did a story, which we'll go into in the next segment, so Tim Cook bows to China, fixing the warranty things, and therefore basically saying they're going to fix all the problems and aren't things cheery with Apple and China. But as you point out in your article, there are more troubles afoot that Apple will have to confront. Maybe Apple will find that one problem has to be overcome just as soon as another one arises. Brian Chaffin joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. So, a natural disaster strikes, and out goes your power. You risk losing stored food in electric freezers and refrigerators. Your options, lose all that expensive food and medication, fire up a noisy gasoline-powered generator, or switch now to a propane or natural gas-powered refrigerator from Ben's Discount Supply. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com has a complete line of propane-powered refrigerators. Freezers in sizes ranging from a small camper cooler size up to a whopping 21-cubic-foot refrigerator freezer or a 22-cubic-foot deep freezer. In stock and ready to ship anywhere. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com also stocks a full line of solar-powered appliances to get you completely off the grid. Check out Ben'sDiscountSupply.com or call 800-771-7702. That's 800-771-7702. Or click Ben'sDiscountSupply.com for camping, home, or bug out location. Bank on Ben'sDiscountSupply.com. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com.
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, and he did a piece for Mac Observer very recently about problems with Apple and China. They hate Apple? Well, the Chinese people love Apple, generally speaking. Apple's Apple stores have been very successful. The iPhone has been extremely successful, especially when you consider the fact that it's a very expensive device in that country where it's not part of the um, corporate you know, ecosystem to subsidize uh, devices. Um, the iPad has been very, very successful in China. And, of course, Apple makes almost all of its products in China, at least at some point in the process. And Tim Cook has said uh, on more than one occasion that China will be the source of Apple's greatest growth going forward because, you know, Apple still does have a very small uh, footprint in the country compared to how large the uh, economy and uh, and you know the customer the potential customer base actually is in that country. But right now, of course, compared to the market share of other companies to Android smartphones, Apple hasn't made much of a dent. And part of it is because obviously the people of China are still coming out of the dark ages in terms of being an industrialized country with decent salaries, so they can't mm-hmm. afford an iPhone. Right. Most of the vast majority of people in China can't afford uh, iPhones. But, you know, we are talking about a, a, a population of 1.3 billion, I believe, 1.2 billion, maybe. And so, you know, the top 10 percent is quite a few people. And Apple has done well there. And, and there have been lots of rumors that Apple will be introducing a low cost uh, iPhone for those markets for I'm sorry, those markets, uh, China. India, Brazil, and Russia, the so-called BRIC nations. Um, but what happened starting uh, about two, two, three months ago is that Apple was identified as a, um, uh, as a company that was, that was unparalleled arrogance, quote-unquote, because Apple's warranty policies were not in keeping with Chinese law. And uh, this was started off with a uh, television program that did a big expose on, on the big bad evil Apple. And that was accompanied with a Weibo campaign. And Weibo is the uh, Twitter equivalent in China. It was accompanied with this Weibo campaign with all these celebrities, the local uh, celebrities, talking about how disappointed they were with Apple and they couldn't believe that Apple would be so arrogant, basically echoing the talking points. And this came to a head when one particular star Weibo'd the, uh, a complaint about Apple, and then at the end of his of his Weibo uh, post was the phrase "post around 8:20," which was taken as the instructions he had been given by whomever had been orchestrating this campaign against Apple. And Chinese people are not stupid; they picked up on this and uh, rallied around Apple and said, you know, well, why is Apple being picked on? And this went back and forth for a while. The, this, the, there, was a new, there were newspaper editorials from government-owned newspapers criticizing Apple. Uh, that's where the phrase unparalleled arrogance came from. 
there was a, a company, a state-owned company, that sued Apple over some material that was supposedly on the Apple on the App Store without their permission. That there was just there was this very coordinated attack uh, on Apple from all these various state-owned properties and resources and assets. And Apple did a very savvy thing. They took a very Chinese approach, and Tim Cook personally apologized for the mistake, because apparently Apple's warranty policies were, in fact, not in keeping with Chinese law. So Apple corrected that, made the warranty policies comport with Chinese law, and Tim Cook apologized. And he said that this, this, this was a mistake and it won't happen again, and we're very sorry. Now, that has been praised by Chinese watchers as savvy because what it does is it takes the wins out of Apple's critics' sales. If a- Apple's critics can't say that Apple has, has unparalleled arrogance because Apple apologized, it was a move that was very specific for the Chinese market, and it worked. That problem went away, Then a couple of weeks later, we have a new problem. And we have a new government agency complaining about something that Apple is doing. So this segues from my original point, which is that Tim Cook bowed to Apple, but now it looks like he's going to have to bow to somebody else at China. Yes, because the problem here isn't Apple. Apple is being used as a political pawn here. Um, You have the U.S. government criticizing a Chinese uh, company called Huawei, which makes carrier wireless carrier equipment, amongst other things. They're, they're a pretty big company. Um, and the, uh, a U.S. Uh, report, a congressional report, identified um, products from this company as, as being security risks because if they're sitting on U.S. Uh, carrier networks, the, 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 the belief is that uh, there would be a backdoor for, for China to be able to listen into communications in this country. That's the worry. And China has, is, of course, very upset about this report, you know, this, this international politics. I'm certainly not an expert in international politics, but this is pretty much how the game is played. It is my belief that Apple is, is China's target to combat this problem with Huawei. I, I don't, there's nothing that Apple can do. I mean, this isn't a problem with Apple. This is a problem between the U.S. and China. And Apple is, is a great pawn because Apple is a huge company. And Apple is super profitable, and I'm guessing that someone in China in the, in the leadership thinks that the U.S. government gives a crap about what happens to Apple in China, and that's probably a mistake. Does the U.S. government really care? What do you think? Mm, no, I, I don't think that the U.S. government... I, the, the U.S. government certainly isn't going to look out for Apple's profits at the expense of allowing carrier products in the country that could jeopardize uh, uh, security, if, if that is a legitimate uh, belief. And I, I, I do believe that that is a legitimate concern or a, a, that, that it's something that, that U.S. officials are, are legitimately concerned about. Okay, so Tim Cook could bow before the leaders of China, and this is going to change absolutely nothing? Yes. If Apple solves the current complaint that uh, China is leveraging against Apple, then uh, I believe that the Chinese government will find another thing to complain about. It'll it'll just keep going. So it's going to be a point here is that there's no way to win. Anytime Apple does something to humble themselves before the Chinese government, the Chinese government will continue to find excuses as long as this other issue with the U.S. government is at stake. I believe that the humbling was actually aimed more at the Chinese people. 
not the government, because I'm sure that Tim Cook uh, and the leadership at Apple understands this far better than I do. The, the apology was aimed at the people of China. It wasn't aimed at the government, because the government doesn't really care in the first place. You know, people, the people that are making decisions know that this stuff is being trumped up as part of a tit-for-tat between the U.S. and Chinese governments. So the reality is, is that Apple can probably keep addressing these issues as far as the people are concerned, and, and, and until and if, and I don't think this will actually happen, until and if uh, there is some sort of ban put on uh, Apple's products, then uh, the Chinese people will probably continue to buy them. Well, we have some things you're going to have to buy right now if you listen further. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Folks, you'll want to hear this. No matter what size your business People don't take you seriously unless you have a professional-looking website. You can empower your business with a stunning online presence, and it's free. Join over 30 million people who've built their websites with Wix. Once again, it's completely free and requires absolutely no design or coding skills. Check out Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at Polaris mail.com polarismail.com hey there my name is frank bates do you know the number one most valuable item in a crisis some people think the answer is gold others think it's a gun but the correct answer will shock you i just created a free video at crisis123.com that reveals a surprising item that is more valuable than gold in a crisis 97 percent of americans don't have this one critical item In fact, they haven't even given it a thought. And the sad truth is that you may not survive without it when a real crisis hits and a starving mob is right outside your door. What I have to tell you could literally make the difference between life and death for you and your family. Watch my video at Crisis123.com to discover the number one most valuable item in a crisis. You'll be shocked. See the controversial video that thousands of other smart patriots have already seen in the last three months. Go watch my video now at Crisis123.com before they force me to shut it down. Again, that's Crisis123.com. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN. The Genesis 
Texas Communications Network is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world, and we're hiring right now. We offer benefits and an excellent commission structure. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. Again, that's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, an equal opportunity employer. If you love pineapple as much as I do, I've got some great news for you. You're going to love this offer from Freeze-Dry Guy. For the month of May, Freeze-Dry Guy is offering the finest quality freeze-dried pineapple. A case of six number 10 cans yielding 114 servings at a special introductory price. First quality freeze-dried pineapple grown and packed with nothing added. This healthy treat works wonders with salad. It's great for snacking, hiking, hunting, camping, and for adding to your food storage program. And please note that Freeze-Dry Guy's foods will store on your shelf for decades. Order now and get free shipping to your front door within the lower 48 states. This special introductory price is good until May 31st. For more information and a free complete product list, go to freezedryguy.com or phone 866-404-3663. freezedryguy.com, 866-404-3663. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer telling us about the issues that Apple is confronting. But... Is this mean that Apple's future in China is really clouded or will they continue, as you say, just to kind of put out the fires and go on? You know, that's such a good question. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess this, this thing with Apple and, and uh, Huawei could possibly, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing that company's name right. I don't actually know the pronunciation. Well, we'll be banned in China if you made a mistake. Just that's understand. True. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm assuming, by the way, that I'm not going to be all that welcome in China after some of the things I've written. But uh, it's possible that this stuff could spiral out of control. I doubt it. I, you know, I mean, this isn't the first time this sort of thing has happened. You know, uh, uh, other companies have been targeted in the past. I mean, you know, this 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 is how international politics is sometimes played, especially with the importance of the multinational uh, companies to the global economy. Um, companies get pinged like this the same special that that uh, uh hammered on apple also hammered on volkswagen for instance a german company so uh, you know i mean it, it's hard to know what's going to happen in china but i'm guessing that apple will eventually be able to weather the storm okay there we go with china now there's a published report from politico that interviewed tim cook and apparently have now confirmed that the Mac that will be built in the United States will be basically a refresh of an existing model. But this isn't surprising. We've been talking about, say, the Mac Pro. Is that what you think? I, <laughs> I hope so. I, I quipped recently that Apple needs to uh, get around to refreshing the Mac Pro before I get uh, old enough to finally admit that I don't really need one. Um, Are you getting close right now? No. Are you kidding? I made that move in 2009. <laughs> I sold a 2008 Mac Pro and a 30-inch display and bought myself a late 2009 27-inch iMac with a bunch of options. Sure. So 
I found I don't need it for what I do because most of my work tends to be audio more than video. So the extra processing power really doesn't help me. Right. Right. Yeah. And the IMAX are, the IMAX are prosumer machines, really. Um, sure. They're, they're, they're enormously powerful. But yeah. So, you know, if you look at the fact that Apple, uh, Tim Cook told us to wait until 2013 for a new Mac Pro. Uh, he didn't say it in those exact words, but, you know, it was a message to a customer where he said that we have some exciting things coming in 2013. It does seem weird that it's such a long delay since we've had any kind of Mac Pro refresh and that Apple is, in fact, working on this plan to build some kind of, of Mac here in the States. But at the same time, can Apple sell enough Mac Pros to justify a $100 million manufacturing facility? Uh, in, in the U.S., and I kind of doubt that. It really seems a lot more likely that Apple would begin making either the iMac or the or the Mac Mini. Well, you can look at it this way as a test, and also because of the fact that the Mac Pro is probably, by nature of the size, although I hope it'll be smaller in the next iteration, is easier to assemble. It doesn't have all those sophisticated, involved assembly processes, which is what makes it difficult for the iMac. So any other Mac that would be built here would be like a Mac Mini which should be pretty straightforward. But you think the Mac Pro, because it's a low production item, gives time for Apple to test everything, gives time for Apple to see if this plan works, and then gradually maybe bring some other models over. Does that make sense? I don't know. It's certainly possible. And it's extremely interesting in part because we don't know. We don't know the answers here. Um, You know, it's... The notion that Apple is going to be doing any kind of major manufacturing in this country, again, to me, is really exciting as both um, an American and as a, a fan of Apple's products and even as just a guy who's interested in, in technology. Um, so I, I kind of hope it's the Mac Pro. I, I, I really strongly doubt that Apple can justify the expense on that. But if, if as you're saying, it's a, it's a beachhead product. Uh, to to test out viability. Uh, That that could make sense. Apple can certainly afford to take the gamble. Yeah, $100 to them is chump change. There you go. Now, Tim Cook is making a lot of headlines this week, and part of it is because of the fact that Tim Cook is going to appear in a congressional hearing. Yes. So can you tell us what that's all about? Yes, I can. As a matter of fact, the name of the hearing is, uh, let me actually get the exact name. I have it right here. All these congressional committees, you know, have very strange names. I mean, we get beyond ways and means and stuff like that. Right. The, this particular hearing is called the Offshore Profit Shifting and the U.S. Tax Code. Uh, so basically it's focusing on the $1.7 trillion being held offshore by U.S. companies. Now, this is money. This isn't money that 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 these companies have shifted from the U.S. to offshore accounts. It's it's profits that were generated outside the U.S. that these companies are keeping outside the U.S. because if they bring them in, they'll have to pay thirty five percent in corporate taxes. Let me just give a background, and then Brian will continue. And that is that you have this stock buyback where Apple borrowed, I think, $17 billion to fund it. And why do they borrow it? Because they've got lots of money overseas that if repatriated, they'd have to pay all those taxes on. So this is the alternative. It's cheaper to borrow the money than pay 35% tax. By by orders of magnitude, yes. Like 
you know, it's if you're paying 35% tax and you get the money for what, one or two percent? Yeah, it's uh, it's in between less than one percent and about three percent. So yeah, one or two percent total. And and this is not something that Apple alone does, but Apple does have about a hundred billion dollars uh, of, of its massive cash hoard held offshore. And this is an area that Apple has been a pioneer at. There's a great, a great phrase that I just I love to use um, called the double Irish with a Dutch sandwich. And I have no idea what that means. <laughs> it sounds naughty, doesn't it? Oh, yes. In fact, you know, this is one of the commercial radio shows. So I have to think that maybe the people who give us that seven second delay and listen to the show for naughty language are going to look and say, what did he say? <laughs> but it's not naughty. It's referring to having subsidiary companies in different parts of the world um, with uh, low tax rates or no tax rates. And. Uh, shifting, it's the way they shift money back and forth between these entities that allows them to avoid taxing. They're not dodging taxes. It's called tax avoidance. And so uh, to, to greatly oversimplify and, and by no means take these, these uh, specific details as uh, exactly how it is, I'm just trying to give an example here. So let's say that Apple has a company in Ireland, or let's say that uh, Apple has a, a company in the Cayman Islands. Um, it can load up that company with various intellectual property, and then the companies that are based elsewhere in the, in the world can uh, sell products, make a profit, and then pay those uh, a lot of that money that's coming in to those subsidiaries for licensing fees and, and not have all that money that they're selling actually be profit. Does that make sense? Sort of, more or less. I mean, it's complicated whenever we get into this tax stuff. Oh, it's extra- it's, it's extraordinary complicated, way, way above my uh, my pay grade for sure. And like I said, Apple has been one of the pioneers of this. This is part of why Apple is such a profitable company. So now that money exists, though, right? That this is a fait accompli. This money exists. It's sitting in all sorts of various uh, offshore uh, tax havens, and. If Apple were to bring that money back into the States, as you said, they would have to pay 35% uh, in taxes. So it's actually cheaper for Apple to keep that money offshore, and as they just did, as you said, borrow against it and, uh, and just you know, pay, pay bond rates. It's, 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 not, it's not even – it's, it's so much better from a, from a Wall Street perspective for Apple to do it this way. That's and, one reason, by the way, Apple stock price had gone up fairly consistently, except for a few days this week. We have Brian Chaffin, one of the chief cook and bottle washer persons over at the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it, it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time I was trying to sleep. Heart and Body Extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of Heart and Body Extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of Heart and Body Extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order Heart and Body Extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. (laughs) Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg here on the tech night owl live brian chaffin of the mac observer talking about tim cook's testimony before a congressional hearing what they're going to propose 
Now, before we get into the meat of it here, which is, of course, what they're going to talk about, I presume the best alternative to get that money repatriated is to give these companies kind of a tax holiday? Well, that is something that's often proposed. Tax holidays, basically giving a limited time for companies to bring in money at a reduced tax rate, or, or some people even propose a zero tax rate. And a lot of this argument comes down to the fact that it consists of double taxation. Apple is theoretically already paid. Apple, for instance, has already paid local taxes from the profits generated and what's left over are the profits that have accumulated. Now, as I described earlier, that is an, a massive ov- oversimplification because of these these various techniques of shifting money around. It's debatable whether or not Apple or any other of these corporations has actually paid their local taxes. But whatever. They have paid some taxes and a lot of folks on the more conservative uh, uh, economic side uh, want U.S. corporations to be able to bring this money in without paying any taxes on it whatsoever. The, the tax holidays are the, the, the we've done we we actually did a, a tax uh, holiday uh, about 15 years ago, and the argument that was made is that these companies would be able to bring this money back in and then use that to to invest in and do job creations. The reality is is that it almost all went to executive bonuses and uh, uh, increased uh, shareholder uh, dividends and increased stock buybacks. So the money was returned to the economy, but it wasn't returned in a direct way that was going to result in more jobs. That's made another tax holiday a much harder sell. Well, it turns out that Tim Cook is going to, uh, to testify at this hearing, and according to an interview he gave to the Washington Post on Thursday, it's, it's uh, He's going to propose a tax overhaul, so not just a tax holiday, but a different way of structuring corporate taxes to make uh, it simpler for companies like Apple to bring their money back in. Maybe make it more economical to keep the money here. Correct. Well, the money was never here. Oh, we know that. That's really important. Well, it gets confusing because you have a company that's stationed in this country, but they've got money all over the place, and then you wonder about locations of companies anywhere. There's a story this week that Fiat, which is a traditional Italian automaker, and because the Chrysler division, which they acquired when Chrysler went bankrupt, is their most profitable division, they're going to relocate the corporate headquarters in Detroit, Michigan. I did not know that. That's fascinating. Isn't it? Yes. So all this is so confusing about why these things are happening, and partly it's because of multinational corporations, where they do business in different countries, even though technically they're owned in one country. So, for example, you have Honda. Honda's headquarters are in Japan. Mm -hmm. It's a publicly traded corporation, so they have owners all around the world, and they make millions of cars in the United States. In fact, if you buy a U.S.-built Honda, as I've done a couple of times in my life, they're made of more domestic parts than most American cars. It's a real American car, even though, well, the company is in Japan. How do you adjust that? Whereas American cars may sometimes be built in Mexico, may sometimes be built in Canada, or may, in the case of some of the GM models, be imported from Australia or Germany. Right. So it's a confusing world. Of course, Apple's now building their products in China. Now, looking at the long haul here, I don't see Congress having the appetite for a major tax overhaul. They're still too busy with Benghazi and the IRS 
and the AP. And that's yeah, not going to end. This is uh, an issue that is near and dear to certainly to Republican hearts uh, overhauling the uh, the corporate tax structure. Most of the calls for a reduced corporate income tax on overseas profits uh, come from conservative quarters. Um, and the conservatives are firmly in charge of uh, the House right now. I, I don't know what Tim Cook is going to propose. Um, Tim Cook is a noted liberal and he is going to propose something that is not a zero percent. He, he, he noted uh, to the Wall Street Journal, he said that, you know, Apple believes in good corporate citizenship. Um, he's not going to be proposing a zero percent tax rate. So if this is something that someone like Tim Cook can rally behind, maybe it'll be something that conservatives and uh, uh, liberals in Congress can also rally around. That's called fat chance. Yeah, understood. But the reality is this $1.7 trillion sitting offshore really isn't doing much of anybody any good. It's not being used by the companies. Uh, you know, There's just limited places you can actually spend this money. So getting it back into the economy is a, is a great thing, even if it only goes to increase dividends and shareholder buybacks. It's still putting the money back to, back to work in the economy. So, you know, finding a solution to this is a real issue. $1.7 trillion is a big deal, even in this, you know, this, this current world of enormous numbers. And the other question here is, do other companies support Apple? I mean, what would it be like if Microsoft or Google said, you know what, he's got a good idea. We've got money offshore, too. Oh, yeah. And, and they probably will. I mean, Silicon Valley, this is, this is a real issue for Silicon Valley. A lot of this money is held by tech giants. Now, and it's, it should be noted, I don't have the specific stat in front of me, but most of this $1.7 trillion is owned by a very few companies. I mean, Apple is, uh, uh, Apple itself has one seventeenth of it, right? At $100 billion. Right. And that's just, that's just one company. So it's that's, basically, if you get like 20 companies that you put together, the 20 largest companies, you've maybe got 95% of this money accommodated for yeah, I think it's like it's somewhere between twenty and fifty companies or something. It's 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 a it's a shockingly few number of of uh, of companies that that have most of this money. But there are lots of players that are combining for this one point seven trillion. Well, as I said, the chances are probably zero to none that anything's going to happen of these hearings because they aren't sensational enough, and they don't really elect candidates. I mean, is a candidate run on, well, we're going to repatriate the money that corporations are holding in the Cayman Islands? And is Apple and Microsoft and all these companies, that's what we're going to do, vote for me. And people will say, huh? Yeah. How does that get me more jobs? Well, I guess if they have the money to invest here. Maybe something like that would Tim Cook say, look, if you bring the money back here, we'll have more jobs here. Not just building the new Mac Pro or Mac Mini or whatever it's going to be. We'll build more Macs here if we have our money here and we're given a tax break yeah it's true and keep in mind you know apple has historically had a, 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 a almost non-existent presence in uh washington other companies like uh, microsoft have done a much better job of uh having a lobbying presence google has put some efforts into uh, a lobbying presence apple still doesn't have much of a lobbying presence in washington uh but if enough companies get behind whatever it is that's proposed or some variation of, of, of what's proposed, that means that lobbying efforts will be uh, exerted towards getting that change, and that could actually get something accomplished. So there's a vague hope that anything's yeah. going to happen here. Yeah, I think, I think there actually there, there is, in fact, a vague hope. 
and and it's it's really interesting that Apple is effectively being a catalyst here. This company that that doesn't play politics well. This company that doesn't have a big lobbying presence. They've made so much money that what they do matters. And I think that this business with them borrowing seventeen billion dollars, which is the biggest corporate bond effort ever, you know, and it's still a tiny fraction of what Apple uh, is worth. That raised some heads. Uh, this this notion that it was so much cheaper for Apple to borrow money than to bring what it actually you know actually owns back into the country. People are noticing, and yes, there are a bunch of political games and political shenanigans and a bunch of political nonsense going on right now in Washington. But this this is the thing that matters. Also, what matters is Brian Chaffin telling us where we can find more of his stuff at the Mac Observer, MacObserver dot com. My personal uh, site is geektails dot com. Thank you. And by the way, you can find us. Tech Night Owl. We're Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Go to technightowl.com. That is our web portal, which leads to everything, including our other show, the Paracast about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week, we're going to talk about UFO sightings over nuclear weapons installations with a fellow named Robert Hastings at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. But here on the Tech Night Owl Live, thank you so much, Brian Chaffin, for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, Gene. It's great as always. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.